Linux OTC. Welcome to episode two. We're your hosts. I'm Bill. I'm Norbert. And I'm Leo. We'll get right on with it then. We, we originally we was going to talk about um, uh, a point of contention, at least in recent months, was an article that OMG Ubuntu put out back in I think September, talking about uh, Canonical adding Ubuntu Pro related messages in the uh, terminal when running apt and uh, true to form. Immediately the outrage massive. Uh, caught wind of that and called it what they thought it was, which was ads in the terminal, you know. And but it is an ad in the terminal, though. It is that. I suppose you could, if you was looking at it technically. But I mean, but technically correct is the best kind of correct, Bill. But when I when I first heard about it, the first thing that popped in my mind is, well, yeah, they're just going to stick a message in there and then forget about it for three years, just like they do with Ubuntu Server. That same MicroKates message has been showing up since, I think, 20.04. So uh, it's just something you just learn to ignore. Yeah, a lot of people who were uh, justifying it said it's not really an ad because it's not really trying to sell you something. It's like a public service announcement, or I hope that's the right word. But, well, I would call it an ad. I would call it advertising because they are advertising uh, one of their services, a free tier of their services, uh, one of the services, because for uh, home users, it's free. But uh, calling it an advertisement is not inherently bad, I think, because... Ubuntu is uh, is a company uh, made yeah. distribution, so I don't think That's it's out of place. Right there, it, it doesn't even matter if they're a company. I don't care if they're a company. I don't care if they make money off of their Linux. And an ad is not always bad. It's just information for you that they want you to have. Whether or not you pay for it is irrelevant. I think. Yeah, but because they are a company, uh, I don't think it's out of place. Well, uh, someone argued that if it was uh, advertising Ubuntu Pro in Debian, that would be a different thing because Debian that would is be a, a way yeah. different conversation because yeah. there's way different uh, a goal sets in mind for these two distributions. You know, Ubuntu is a company, and as such, they've got a commercial imperative that but they again, have to. Even keep if in Debian mind. was like, "Hey guys, we have a second type of uh, ISO spin that you should check out." just in case you have newer hardware. What would be wrong with that? No, that wouldn't I wouldn't yeah. have a problem with that. But then again I what if I don't get excited over these. What if Debian put in, hey, uh we we need funding. Here's the link to our uh what is it, open collective or whatever the the mm. FOSS give me money thing is. Uh what if they put that in there? I mean Wikipedia does the same and people are not very complaining about Wikipedia. Wikipedia okay, people is don't a- complain about Wikipedia, but they meme the hell out of Wikipedia for that one. Have you not seen the... Uh, the yeah, I've, I've his name seen. like Jeremy or whatever, and it just got like more over the top and more over the top and more over the... Like, that's fine. You can you can criticize things like that, but it's it's the... Uh, the what is it? Stop doing what you're doing. That is absolutely wrong. Never do that again. That's that's going... That's over the top, man. That's That's too much. Like... They're gonna do it. Well, yeah, do. I was gonna say, is part of this just because it's canonical? And, it is. Yes, it and is. Anything canonical does is gonna be scrutinized 
at least slightly differently than if anybody else would have attempted it, you know. Well, I think Red Hat would get it, too. Uh, I think they would be like, oh, the IBM overlords are reaching into mm, the pot well, again. I guarantee you know that. it. I guarantee it. <laughs> but I don't know if we would be as outraged, though. I mean, because they, it just, you almost expect now that IBM owns Red Hat that they would make it. I mean, it's surprising they haven't made decisions like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as I know, uh, the Fedora project has... Uh, so they are sort of uh, what's the word sovereign sovereign so red hat doesn't yeah. red hat doesn't have as much say in fedora as they think they are they have but as as people think they have but because red hat gives a lot of money to fedora for development uh, some things like uh, you know the the the, the patent uh, issue those are just those extreme cases where they they have to do what what red hat says but you know when it comes to like features or services, you know, Fedora is advertised as a community project. So uh, Red Hat, RHEL to Fedora is what uh, Ubuntu is to Debian, in my my opinion. Because, you know, Debian and Fedora are community projects, even though they are both uh, funded, the development is heavily funded by the downstream, uh, Canonical and Red Hat. Uh, I'm, I'm saying that Red Hat is a downstream of Fedora because Packages go from Fedora to Red Hat. Uh, Fedora to CentOS to Red Hat. Yeah, technically, yeah. So <laughs> there's some nuanced differences, I think, because you don't have a lot of regular users using Red Hat, whereas you know right. Ubuntu and is probably. Bill, I think that's a good point because um, most I I would think when you're getting into running these CentOS and Red Hat servers and things like that, you're getting into orchestration and you never actually see DNF upgrade. Nobody ever actually runs that command on one single server. So there would be no point in putting it there. You wouldn't see it except for if you were testing on a single machine. Um, But let's let's get something straight. Um, Bill, you had tested it and you said that you did not get the message. Yeah, uh, so I downloaded the ISOs for Ubuntu proper uh, 22, well, I started with 22.10 and installed it, you know, just the default way. And uh, it just gave me a clean, I mean, completely clean uh, terminal experience. And this is when you did apt-get upgrade, right? I tried both apt and apt-get, and I got nothing on either one of them. Okay, so, so um, and you tried what else? And then I tried 22. I thought, well, maybe it's an LTS thing. So I went with 2204, and I didn't get it there either. Ah. So Well, um, so I'm running 2004 on a WireGuard server, and I did just now get it. Okay, um, so server the server installs, I get the microcates message. Okay, well, okay, there are two types of messages that they give. The first type of message is the message of the day type when you log in to a shell. Whatever that is, whether that's over secure shell, SSH, or whether that's logging directly into the server, whatever it is. Um, So the message that I got this time was obviously all the uh, system information, RAM usage, IP addresses, and all that. But then I also get under an asterisk, strictly confined Kubernetes makes Edge and IoT secure. Learn how microcates just raise the bar for easy, resilient, and secure Kates cluster deployment. And then yeah. you get the URL, Ubuntu.com, engage secure Kubernetes at the edge. Oh, no. Linux OTC is advertising. Oh, no. And oh, so, now. So you didn't get the, the Ubuntu Pro one. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. No, I didn't get the. Oh, I'm so, sorry. I didn't get the Ubuntu yeah. Pro one on that one. Uh, no. Maybe maybe that mess, some messages just appear within a given window of time. Well, so. Also, also um, it may depend on whether uh, what version 
I have updated two because I haven't updated this box in a little while. Um, so it may very well depend on when you run updates, does MLTD get updated or not? Um, so I did, uh, I know the server has been kind of sitting there for a little while. I know it needed updates. So apt-get update, that came out as you would expect. But apt-get upgrade, or apt-upgrade, sorry, apt-upgrade um, gives me the, everybody sees the uh, use sudo apt-auto-remove to remove it, right? But right yeah. under that is uh, five hashes, the comment area, and it's got, News about significant security updates, features, and services will appear here to raise awareness and perhaps tease our Linux. Speaking of the subreddit, right? But, and then this... And right, and I'm glad... And that's on 2004? This is 2004. And then it, uh, the last line reads, use pro... And this is my, the most important line. This is why I don't think it's important to have, like, uh, to, to be upset about this. The last line reads, use pro config set apt underscore news equals false to hide this and future, future apt news. Now, the outrage is, how dare <laughs> you make me set an option in a configuration file to not see this news? Um, but It makes the outrage a little silly, though. I mean... This is sort of the equivalent uh, of uh, when you start a, a, a GUI app for the first time, they show these tips or, or news, like, uh, for example, how LibreOffice shows a shows you a random tip when you start and you can just check a box saying that you don't want to see this again. It's mm -hmm. basically the same. You see it once, and if you don't want to see it again, you just set it to not show up again. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so 22.04, it gives me the following packages were automatically installed, no longer required, and then it's a bunch of stuff. And then use sudo apt, auto-remove to remove them. And then it goes right to the following packages have been kept back. So... I don't know if it if it only gives it to you sometimes or something like that, or after it's been a certain number of days since you've run the command. I don't know what it is, but I got it today, and I suppose if I were to upgrade these packages and run it all again, I wouldn't get it again. Um, but I guess, yeah, so what's your take? I mean, nothing? Nothing burger? You know, I I would prefer there be some sort of framework for conveying information to me that you know because i imagine they um they might assume that they've got a sizable user base that's not going on reddit or reading any blogs or anything and as such they probably won't be uh, in touch with what's going on you know information that canonical wants to send out to the average users yeah. you know so i'm i would be in a way glad to see something like that you know mm -hmm. Especially for server installs, because I got two servers back here running. If there's something I need to know, I'd like that to come up when I SSH in, you know. Right. And, I mean, you've got to you got to take these things seriously, or or you have to try to understand what a company like Canonical wants to achieve with something like this. And it's not to try to sell somebody something; it's it's to convey information. Yeah, I saw a video on uh, on PeerTube. I can't remember what it was or who it was, but um, the, the general message was Ubuntu, even though they are a commercial entity, need to keep uh, free and open source software and the way of doing things and everything, uh, number one, as a priority. And, I mean, I just I disagree. I, I absolutely disagree. They could do whatever they want because yes, it's, but it's Linux. Even if... Even if you said you agree, uh, people have to remember that the free in free and open source means free as in freedom. So just be, if, be, if something is free software and open source, doesn't mean it doesn't mean it uh, should. It doesn't mean it's not 
it doesn't mean it's a bad thing f to monetize it because what you have to share is the source code. So mm -hmm. if you want to provide the source code for free for everyone to build uh, the software for themselves, it uh, you can you can uh, charge money for uh, pre-compiled binaries. You know, right. like for there are some projects that do that. Uh, for example, you know how Zorin OS has the Zorin OS Pro, which is mm -hmm. what you get if you pay is a more I, well, not more polished, but more featureful system that you could build yourself from the free version. But mm. it's uh, so it's not uh, locking any features behind a paywall. It's uh, you pay to support the project and you get convenience back uh, in return. Uh, Zero and, Linux, and... Uh, a fairly new distro. Uh, also recently, uh, the main uh, desktop is KDE, but now there's Zero G, which is the GNOME version, which uh, you can either buy uh, the ISO or you can build an ISO for yourself for free. So it's not even about compiling packages, it's just building an ISO. So I, I think that's, uh, that's also uh, getting convenience for your money. And I think people need to start recognizing how far we've come because of companies like Canonical. I can, companies that are making money leveraging open source technology are what has catapulted us into a serious position of play right now. Mm -hmm. I can... I can open up my laptop that's got an NVIDIA GTX card, install Steam, and I can play uh, Skyrim and uh, Master Chief at 128 frames per second Yeah, on a Linux desktop. Yeah, And that is all because of companies that are leveraging open source technology to make money. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. that's thanks to Red Hat and Canonical building these stacks, uh, paying developers to do what they do. Not everything, obviously. But, um, I mean, Glorious Egg Robles is, is one of the most, uh, I guess, prolific coders as far as it goes uh, yeah. for gaming, right? And uh, while I don't, I don't know that Red Hat is directly funding him, he's just a Red Hat employee, but still, you end up with this situation where, uh, and on top of that, right, Valve, um, doing a lot of this work, bringing things that we've all wanted for a long time to us, um, hmm. What do they call that? Biting the hand that feeds? <laughs> well, consider some of the most important projects. I mean, you know, and I and I understand this is a point of contention, too, for a lot of people, but some of the most important projects that make Linux work on modern machines as good as it does come from these companies like Red Hat, you know, your, your Pulse Audio, your uh, Pipewire, and... Uh, well, be careful. I saw a bunch of argumentation about uh, Pulse and Pipewire, and someone had said... System D. Yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah I know there's... Someone had specifically said, um, why do we have Pipewire and, and Pulse um, when, when the previous system worked? Also, right? And the previous system did not work. <laughs> it was not really. terrible. And Pulse made things a whole lot better after a, a time where it was probably worse than Alsa, to be honest. Uh, but somebody had to adopt it and test it. That was Fedora. And then we had Pipewire. Now it's doing the same thing, but uh, it, it still leverages everything underneath it. But it generally makes things a little bit better. And if it's rocky now, it won't be soon because we've got paid developers working on it. That's the point right there. These are projects that require some pretty serious man hours put into them, you know, to make them work well on 
as many systems as possible. We, you know? we don't always get to rely on superheroes like uh, Hector Martin and uh, oh gosh and, and Lena <laughs> for doing the and and uh, Alyssa Rosenzweig for doing what they do. We like yes, that is insanely valuable, insanely yeah. valuable. They're doing amazing work over there, but I mean they're they luckily now they're self funded, but. We don't always get to rely on the superheroes like that. Sometimes you got to have a big company that puts ads when you're updating to fund some of this stuff. Yeah, but they're getting and, paid too. Yeah, and you so, know, if you I mean, look but at... There's... Go ahead, sorry. Sorry. Yeah. And if you look at some of the, the community-built uh, non-corporate distributions, they also use a lot, most of these... Uh, uh, most of the same Linux stack. That is, even the Linux kernel is heavily funded by corporations. So, yeah. and at the end of the day, all of this software that is in the Linux stack made by corporations is still free and open source, which is still way, way better than using a completely closed source operating system. So yes, they have a lot of influence, but because the companies, the same companies are the biggest users of, of Linux as a whole. Right. Like, it is it is to their advantage to put their money where their mouth is and develop these things so that they can use what they want. Yeah. Yeah. The, re the reason why using a terminal is such a good experience on Linux and not on Windows is because the companies want it to be a good experience because they use Linux mostly on the servers. And also it's kind of a pain to build a GUI application, but also what you yeah. said. <laughs> but speaking of GUI applications, uh, a lot of people who just giving back to the original topic, a lot of people who are complaining about the the advertisement in the in app in the terminal was uh, the the thing they didn't like about it was that it's in the terminal and in their minds the terminal is sort of a safe place on Linux where it's uh, it's just it's uh, they have a lot of control over the system. So I'm wondering uh, whether people would have been less upset or more upset if it wasn't a message in app but just a pop-up news window in Ubuntu. You log in and you see a pop-up window telling you about Ubuntu Pro. It's not in your terminal where you would expect it less, I guess, but it's it, in a way it, you could make the argument that it's even, it's even worse because now you're getting pop-ups on your system. So would it, mm. would it have been better or worse? I mean, the, the feedback. Well, a pop-up is worse, I think, um, if it's not triggered by you. What, what I think would happen is probably what Microsoft does and May just slip, slips a little OneDrive in there, throw a little Microsoft Edge back on your desktop because that we is just so... updated, right? I mean, mm -hmm. if, if there were... And then throws it in your tray and runs it in the background without you okay, let's knowing say, about it. Let's say it wasn't triggered by you logging in, but maybe if you opened the Ubuntu so uh, Software Center, it, oh, would, yeah. uh, it would give you as it is a pop-up. And, oh, 100%. And not, not a then... pop-up. If, if it were like a little drop-down message underneath the title bar or something like that that is not intrusive. The yeah. thing about these ads is if they are not intrusive, they're fine. The I, I had this conversation elsewhere. This is why I run an ad blocker. When when you yeah. start yelling at me, when you're when you play autoplay video, when you play audio, when you like scoot the X button around the screen so I can't close your advertisement, like those kinds of things are hostile. If your ad is not hostile, then I'll be happy to let them run off to the side. 
Do not waste my CPU cycles. Do not take up more RAM than what it takes to show an image and some text. Don't do that. And I'll allow them. They would be fine. But nobody on the web does this. And if they do, they're Google. And then the ad is for, what was it, like bitwardenapp.com? The very first result for Googling Bitwarden was malicious. They were trying to steal your username and password for your vault. And Yeah, I've if, seen one of these fake Google ads for uh, a screenshot of it that was OBS. Yeah, and and, I, that, and that gives me the ammo I need to just keep running the ad blocker. I'm not, I'm, I'm not even going to let the, the easy ones in because they have been shown to be malicious too, and I'm not going to risk it. But it makes you wonder how those ads get to the Google page no, in the first we know place. Exactly. We know exactly how they get there. Let's not, I don't think we need to sugarcoat that at all. No human clicked that link and checked it out. That's how it script, got there. Script something to like make a hundred thousand hits show up. Yeah, I mean in the SOC or something. If if a human clicked that link, it would have been obvious that the URL was incorrect. Yeah, and it doesn't matter. It's 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 it does not matter if a million people figure it out. If that one person is messed up by that particular ad, because it's the top search result as an ad, but it's a top search result. Yes, but Google is the biggest advertising company in the world, so, so they they really shouldn't allow this to happen. So something like this to happen in the first mm -hmm. place. But I saw an argument that because they are so big, because they see so many ad applications, because there are so many coming in every single day, they don't have time to like look at all these. Like a sleeping giant. Right. Right. Maybe no, if I, I... it's a a common commonly known project, maybe there could be a system that checks uh, for. Uh, names and they should they could have someone to verify that okay it says OBS and we know there's an OBS there's a project called OBS that is quite famous maybe let's check if it's the same thing if it's a lesser known project name maybe it, it could just do what it does now but if it's a what I'm saying is a spoofing uh, using the names of uh, using names that are very similar to big projects should be something that uh, Google should have a system in place to check. Yeah, I, I think I think there need to be humans in the pipeline to check. Oh no, Google will make one billion less dollars this year because they had to pay people to vet their advertisements. Yet you have other people, the users of this service, not having um, having their passwords leaked out all over the internet because of it. I mean. Yes, of course there is, and of course it gets taken down in hours, but how many people Google search in an hour? Millions. And That's why I always I evangelize on this stuff. There's never going to be a replacement for you watching what you do on the Internet. I don't – I hate this expectation that some people have that since I'm sitting at a machine inside my house with doors locked – that you know, I've got some reasonable expectation of safety. No, you got to watch what you do on these uh, on the internet and things like that. And look at the URLs. You know, I it's worth taking a little bit of time to learn the basics of keeping yourself safe online. It, it's all and, well and good to say that, but I think and, and and you're talking to the right people, the people that listen to this yeah, podcast. Yeah, I be know. Like, you're you're damn right, Bill. That's exactly what we're gonna do, and yeah. I will check every single URL because we do. But how many people do you think that do the Google search that also just happen to be the slice of the demographic that would listen to us 
or to any security podcast, or to any That's Linux. an awful slim Venn diagram. It is it, yes. <laughs> I mean, those might as well be two separate circles, man. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, though, is that people are hurt by these things. Yeah, But they Google are. still makes their billion, their extra billion, because that they someone paid for that ad. They're not going to get a refund on that ad because, oh, well, your ad was deemed to be malicious. We're going to refund you. That's not how that works. I'm sure there's a clause in the ad thing that says, you know, your ad will run, and if it if it goes against our code, we take it down. You still paid us. I wonder if they would argue that it wouldn't matter how many mitigations they put in place. There, There's always going to be some kind of elite hacker well, out that's, there. That's, that'll f- they're protecting their profits. Of course they would say that. But I'm not yeah. asking for perfection. I'm asking for humans in the pipeline because yeah. humans will make mistakes, and I get that. But let's not pretend that— um, there's a huge amount of scrutiny going on here because it happens again and again. And bitwardenapp.com, really? Really? Well, I mean, what, what Norbert was saying is true. If it says Bitwarden in the name, maybe take a look at it. Verify that it's actually from Bitwarden. There are lots of URLs that maybe don't look uh, suspicious, but they are just not the official one. For example, if I want to download OBS... The website is obsproject.com. But if I don't know that uh, from memory, maybe I would assume that it's an org because it's a non-profit, uh, it's an open source project. And yeah. uh, so if I want to download OBS and I don't know the exact URL, and maybe I find a fake URL that looks legitimate because it's not a long, uh, complicated uh, or cleverly mistyped uh, URL, maybe, I, maybe even someone who uh, is very well... Very knowledgeable in these these things could be fooled. Yeah, I mean uh, obs-proj.com. I mean stuff like that. It's that is the kind of thing that will get past these advertisers, though. Uh, it to, and to you get, get them in, the you get those in emails too. I see them all the time yeah, where they're trying to that because you, it doesn't take much to put together a relatively convincing website with some ads on there you know that click you off into some sort of keylogger somewhere I was I was posting to, the bitwarden thing if you'd looked at them left to right the only the only indication that it was a different website was the URL and I'm telling you people are blind to it as yeah. it was intended you talk to uh, the founder Tim Berners-Lee no one was ever meant to type in HTTPS colon slash slash anything. We called it, he called it the web for a reason. There would be links to click on. There would be human readable information to do that with. So people being blind to the URL now is as intended. But being blind to the URL will get you in a lot of trouble. It absolutely will. But I got to wonder if Tim Berners-Lee would, if he ever intended the web to evolve into what it is now and the direction that it's that it's heading currently you know he, if that... he didn't nobody did because nobody could have predicted no. i mean no one can see the future right i mean the, the web will be different in 10 years and no one will have have pegged it down to very specifics right like we can guess right i mean there's a lot of money to be made on the internet uh so we can make <laughs> guesses but i don't think anybody's going to get it exactly right um, but you know, just as when he when he invented this thing, there's who knew that YouTube would exist? Yeah, pretty good, pretty good though. When well, it, ads are annoying though. When it comes to <laughs> figuring out whether a link is legitimate, I usually think uh, probably the most simple sounding one is the is the real one. For example, 
but like I said, it's obsproject.com. Uh, maybe I would have assumed that it's very short. Maybe that just OBS or something. But maybe that was oh, taken. Yeah. Maybe that was taken like how Steam.com was taken. So Valve had to use SteamPower.com. So I guess there are cases where that's not the case. Leo, do you know what the, the website is uh, for downloading Fedora? What's the URL? Uh, like GetFedoraProject.org in it or something. Or, like that? It's GetFedora.org. I just yeah, I, get I just Fedora. tried. Uh, uh, FedoraProject.org, and apparently it, it redirects to getfedora.org. So I would just as, would have just assumed it's Fedora something, but it's because yeah. it's it's getfedora.org. Uh, so yeah, sometimes the most uh, illogical sounding URL is not the the actual URL, just because maybe the simplest one is taken, or they just, uh, for example, uh, recently went to the uh, to Frameworks website for the Framework laptop, and it's the URL is frame.work. It's a clever URL. Oh right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's it a is. clever URL, but it's not the first one I uh, would have guessed. Right. So well, uh, yeah. to be clear, FedoraProject.org does exist and does host a lot of Fedora Linux-based uh, stuff, like the wiki and help and stuff like that. But yeah, it's but, not where you go yeah. to get Fedora. Yeah. yeah, to your point, that's not where that is. Yeah. So, yeah, because there are just hundreds of uh, projects and their websites, you, can, you just... Nobody should be expected to memorize all those URLs. At the end of the day, we have to rely on Google showing the the right URL at the top. As but as, uh, I, I don't I don't know that uh, Tim Berners Lee meant for search engines, but he certainly meant for something akin to them. Uh, indexing yeah, no, just nobody indexing. was meant. Yeah. Well, ChatGPT is going to solve all of this for us because nah. it's going to be <laughs> it's going to be. <laughs> intelligently checking all of these URLs before we go to them and and uh, they're going to send send drones out to shoot the people down and yeah. A lot of the times when you, you search for something specific in Google, you get the ad for it at the button right under that you get the non-ad version of the the, the, the organic result and you know, the, it's the same URL just the, the, the ad one has uh, trackers included in the, in the link so yep. And but maybe sometimes it's uh, it's not uh, the ad, the ad one is a malicious one and the, then the first organic result is the real website. So I guess a very good uh, the best uh, practice for avoiding clicking on the spoofed links is just don't click on the very first one that is listed that is an ad. Click on the first one that is not no. an ad. No. Or use Pihole. Install an ad blocker on your browser. Use Pihole. Remove them. If you do got pie not hole, even that, give yourself the an avenue to make a mistake. Don't yeah. even do it. Use pie hole. It, it's worth it. Because pie hole, with pie hole running, you can't even click on that link. Yeah, it'll, it it'll work. get you to like this weird blank page. But that, that's the yep. thing, right? Like we all are in need of coffee sometimes and aren't running on all cylinders, and we can all make a mistake on the web. Yeah, so absolutely. So not even the, the most astute person, security-based whatever, can get you can't say that they're never going to make a mistake not ever so you can have the best security posture ever you are still human so instead of expecting yourself to make the right decision every single time remove them that is why i remove them because i don't even trust myself and i think i do pretty good on the web or maybe just put put the right mitigation in place like the the ad blocker that way right to get around that you have to take extra steps yep that way, by default, you're blocking all these things, you know, and you would have to go out of your way to to use Brave, use Vivaldi, that. use Firefox. That's the yeah. answer. Um, or, and if you use Firefox, add the additional uBlock Origin on top of it for even better 
Yeah, I, I do have a Ublock Ublock origin. What's interesting is I I I just did a Google search and uh, to check whether I see I have ads, and I don't. But uh, I I never had not. a yeah I, I never had a moment when I realized oh there's no ads on Google because I just somehow my I mean at one point I wasn't using Ublock origin so there were ads. But uh, mm-hmm. I just, when I just started using it, I it, I didn't uh, have a conscious realization that the ads are just gone, because I guess I'm good at I was good at ignoring them before because they yeah, are not because they because they are not shiny big letter ads they just fit right in with the results which is the idea. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But uh, to, Bill was talking about ChatGPT. I do want to talk about that for a minute. Um, because yeah. uh so so uh i know we were going to talk about origin stories i don't guess we have enough time this time but <laughs> no probably not we'll, Maybe we'll do origin three. stories one day you know <laughs> we'll get there we promise when when we can get ourselves to shut up for a little while um i think most people know us i <laughs> we had a, over 130 downloads on that last on our episode cool. one i don't know how that happened but uh um, it was all bots man it was all bots i i i, I spent uh i spent 10 bucks on a bot thing so it just downloaded them it's it's what happened. there you go yeah. i know i think people saw oh leo <laughs> Maybe. and then they went and downloaded it yeah but um uh, so on chat gpt so uh you, you may not get my whole origin story but you'll get a little bit about me um now i'm an educator so i and and one of the things that i teach is is linux and uh so i have to write curriculum for testing people on whether or not they can say pass the Linux Plus test or something when they get done with the class, right? That's that's my job. And the coolest thing I have found is that as long as you know the vocabulary, that's the hard part. That's that's the one building block that you need. You can use ChatGPT to pretty much ace my class. I have you writing bash scripts, and I'm I'm talking full-blown bash scripts that query the system for current statuses of something, right? <laughs> there, uh, and and in my mind, especially someone that doesn't even know what a script is in the first place, right, are coming in and not really knowing. It's a bit of a slog to figure out how to do it. Enter ChatGPT. <laughs> I straight up just asked it for what I'm asking the students for in this lab. Oh yeah, about thirty seconds. It had it. It had okay. It so, is it a net positive though? Yeah. Because does that mean it just it, the human being is extended beyond that now? Yeah. We can we can use we can do other things. We can focus our minds on other things and let the machines do the mundane rote work. I've, I've got coworkers that are running around scared that um, this is going to impact their employability, um, and I mean. In some ways, it will, right? Because now we don't really have to think about that kind of thing. There's still value mm-hmm. in knowing what Jet, Chat GPT knows, right? I mean, there's still value in knowing why a script is the way that it is. And I think you really do need to div- dive down and yeah. learn about that stuff. But if you're at a job, and this is what everybody ties it back to, right? Like, well, can you do that at a job? Why wouldn't you do that at a job? Why wouldn't you ask Chat GPT? to make money. Why wouldn't you do that? Everybody would do that. So after you get out of my class, after you skirted the entire thing using ChatGPT, you're now really good at ChatGPT. So when you get a job somehow, right, because you have to still have to get through the interview process, right? But let's say that you had ChatGPT in your pocket and you use that to answer all the interview questions and you got hired. What would it matter if at the end of the day, you're making this company millions of dollars by using ChatGPT to do your job? Why does right. that matter at all? It is a net positive because of that. 
Now, when the company figures out they can just use ChatGPT and replace you, not so great. But, <laughs> but I think people people are insecure about their own uh, their own marketability as an employee, and they or they're they're afraid of being passed over instead of saying, "Okay, well, then I'm going to go learn to do something else." You know, it's sort of like it, the next level of having a calculator in your pocket. Because it is. If you can have <laughs> a, a calculator, why wouldn't you use a calculator? Uh, learning yeah, a lot by of a code. Fact, by to Bill's point, by a factor of ten, right? Like this yeah. is this is calculator <laughs> to the tenth power. <laughs> yeah, because you know, in in school, you learn a, a lot of fairly uh, complex maths, and it's not because you it's not because they expect you to to remember all of that ten years later. Right. It's so you can. Critically think. No, yes, it's so you can develop your your. You can get a mathematical thinking. You can develop and, your mind. And that's what I mean about it's it's valuable to know why the script is the way that it is. Even though ChatGPT just gave you the answer, you need to go back in because ChatGPT isn't perfect, but it's damn good. And you can you can get that script ninety percent of the way there. And all you got to do as an admin is say, oh, that's not going to work on our distribution. So let me tweak that a little bit. But this script is good to go after that. So you're I mean, saying it, that if if I went to ChatGPT and told it to write me a bad script, where it would output the 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 total memory, the free memory, the use memory, the cache memory, and oh yeah, it's already and, done. Yeah, and and maybe that's easy. And I'll, I'll give you the script it gave me because that's what I asked it. And then say maybe uh, print it out in a nice ASCII art pie chart. It would also be I able did. to do that. I didn't I test out ASCII art, but it certainly gave it to you in an easily human-readable format. Uh, you might ask it about ASCII art. I'm sure it could do it. But that's the thing about ChatGPT, right? Like, um, you've got uh, English professors and history professors and uh, psych uh, psychology professors, things like that, really worried about this. And, I mean, eh, you, you kind of have to be. Um, but it's not just english it knows bash it knows c++ any language if it is a language programming language is included it knows that language it knows powershell yeah you it can, knows rust you can you can tell chatgpt to emulate a linux command line and uh, then if you were in a way that you would give it commands and it should print the output and it does that i've heard uh, in a podcast someone trying that and if you say like create a new file and then do an ls it will list the file that you created so yeah. it you can have an imaginary temporary fire system there. And, you know, what's interesting to me is that people were so uh, uh, focused on the, the image generators that most people didn't even suspect or expect a, a language model to suddenly pop up. And now oh, everyone... I, so, I was expecting this 10 years ago, man. No, I, I mean the robots I mean, were coming from my yeah. job. I mean, oh, I mean yeah. people who who <laughs> haven't really been paying attention, but uh, they just learn about the image generators from news, the from mainstream news, and now that ChatGPT is out, uh, a lot of uh, you, you you can barely hear about the image generators generators in the news. Well, un unless something big well, happens. Well, because before image generators were just taking the artists' jobs, right? But now ChatGPT is taking all the thinkers' jobs and all of uh, all of the you know command line technical jobs yeah. as well. You need a program written, you need a paper written, you need some kind of research done. ChatGPT's got it. It's yes, done. but you know ChatGPT will be confidently wrong. Is that people say people who? And that's the point. Yeah. that's the ninety percent. That's where us humans live now. That's where mm -hmm. we get to show our expertise. 
until ChatGPT can pretty much be 100% right 100% of the time, there will always be a need for technically-minded humans or uh, humans versed, well-versed in the humanities to be able to say, yeah, that's historically correct. No, that is not a good command line uh, uh, argument or something like that, yeah. right? You always will need that human element until you don't. And then when you don't, then we live in a utopia, right? And then everybody has money. Well, actually, money would be gone, and then we could just go to the to the store and grab a papaya and eat papaya. <laughs> Post-scarcity. Papaya. Papaya is a filler. That was a bad example. It's just a papaya and mango. <laughs> what papaya and mango, your, yeah. Popped in your head. Papaya okay, it was, it was actually a, a, a movie. It was Coco. And yeah. uh, I cannot get... Um, what is her name? She's a very famous Mexican artist. Uh, I cannot anyway, um, but the, like, there's this whole scene when at the very end of it, it's a papaya, and then so that's just stuck in my head for some reason. You can use ChatGPT to generate code, and then yes, it does like ninety percent of the work for you, and you yes. go in and you fix the code so that it actually works. So yes. you have you just you just did ninety percent of the work by using ChatGPT, and then you can fine-tune the code you can polish the exactly. code yeah it's so it's not uh, it's not putting people out of a job completely it's just no, it is yeah, it, yeah. i mean it, it'll put the mediocres out, yeah, of, out of you work. know it's yeah. like yeah. it's, okay. it's like self-driving a few years back here in budapest we had uh, our first uh you we have four metro lines and the the, the most recent one is now driverless and you know first at first there had there had to be people sitting at the front so they can monitor everything is fine and then even the drivers uh, even the driver's cabin what i would call it were removed so you are on the metro uh, the underground train and there's you can literally look at the front and the back uh, windows because there is not even a, a driver's space but oh, yeah. the people who were cool. the people who would have been the the drivers previously now they are probably sitting somewhere monitoring the system so it's uh, it's uh, yeah, the, the driver's job is gone, but there's a new jobs open opening yeah. uh, as uh, like technicians and people who are sort of organizing the system and making sure everything works. So and that's the way it has always been. When when the car was invented, people threw their hands up, up in the air. My horses. What are we gonna do? Oh, what what the horses? You know, the guys that are feeding the horses and shoeing the horses. You know, what are they gonna do? You know, Find and then leave job. all the new new jobs come along. You know, I think. If I was to be optimistic, which I really, really want to be, I would say that this is going to be a tool that will do the heavy lifting, the mundane work, let human beings do what human beings are good at and let machines do what machines are good at. Yep. And then we'll come up with, you know, something better in the end. Is it going to, is some people going to be left behind at first? Yeah. You know, it's your responsibility as a, as a person that's trying to maintain a career to make yourself as marketable as possible. And I think that holds true in any job. So what you're trying in to any say line of work. is Ubuntu needs to use chat GPT to write better advertisements for the command line. <laughs> that I, is exactly what you're trying to, it. what we're I, trying to get at. We're on the same wavelength. I knew it. I knew it. And I'm glad we got there together. <laughs> maybe, maybe AI could be used for things like writing invoices, for example. That is a sort of a sort of a mundane job, but it is different on a case by case basis. Hospital bills. <laughs> well, we better wrap it up, guys. What do you think? I think it's pretty good. Yeah, did we beat it to death. All right, oh, we did. Oh, my horses. Um... <laughs> <laughs> 
It's yes, going to happen all over oh again. Yes, horse, it's a renaissance. We, yes, but horses are, horses are still around. And even when, you know, when, when TV and radio came out, people were thinking it's, a, it's the end there of books. There was a song written about it's it. It's the end Robert, of books. Was a song. Yeah. yeah. Books are still around. Radio, or video killed the radio That's star. It. And v- yet no. we have <laughs> Spotify. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Video. Uh, there's a, there's, I've seen a webcomic about, uh, you know, video killed the radio star. A video, a person labeled video burying the radio star. And then a person labeled podcast 10 years later digging it up. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that that's what I've been trying to explain to people that don't know even know what a podcast is. Like, well, it's just the old radio show but on the internet thing. Yeah. But it's you know, it's on demand and you can do whatever you want with it. Anyway, we're gonna get out of here. Uh or where not. can we find you, Leo? <laughs> you can find me at uh at Leo Chavez on Twitter and at Leo Chavez at Mastodon dot social. You can find me also. You can find me on Mastodon as well at odoben, O-D-O-B-E-N, at c.im, that's the letter c.im. I wanted to find an instance that has a very short URL. I guess I'll go ahead and throw my Mastodon in there then, at wchauser3, the number three, that is, uh, at bostodon.org. That would hurt. I don't have a fancy if one. If you a, a full-size Mastodon at us. <laughs> yeah. You know, the, the, the word... The podcast is very interesting because it came from iPod, but now iPods are essentially phased out. So the yeah. third podcast we, stuck without we iPods. We took it from Apple. Yeah. Wasn't it originally called Webcast? Got me. Yeah, that doesn't sound as cool, though. Yeah. All right. Anyways, thanks a lot for uh, watching, listening, however you uh, consume us. We appreciate it. We love you. We're going to keep doing this. We have a lot of fun. I do. I guess I should just talk for myself. If you're going to consume me, medium rare, please. Oh, man. You get to be my age. You got to take it any way you can get it. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, we'll see you in a fortnight, folks. Uh, Until then, I've been Bill. Where you still are. And I'm still Norbert. And I'm Hmm. Leo. See you, folks. Bye. (laughs) 